This time on episode 386 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're going to discuss all of Marvel's MODOK Season 2 in just one podcast episode. We're also going to discuss the weekly Marvel news, including Black Widow being sued and Hawkeye's Disney Plus premiere date. I'm SP from the GuineaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GuineaGeek.com network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GuineaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Consultant Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Thursday, July 29th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast AIM public address system-wide via www.geeks.live. Come join our live chat as we record. Chris, happy National Chicken Wing Day. I can't believe I missed this one because chicken wings are amazing, but they're also kind of getting in short supply right now. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, you technically haven't missed it because there's still some hours left in the day. We're East Coast time. It's 8 p.m. Eastern as we started to record this one. We got off a little bit late, but there's still, after we get done with this, about three hours that you can go out and get some chicken wings. I think we can pull it off. So when you go grab yours, do you go for the flats or the drums? Oh, drums. See, I like the flats. Oh, this works out perfectly. We can get a combined one. I can give you the flats and I can get the drums. And I have no idea how long it is for me to drive from my house to yours, but I'll be right there. We can pull it off. I think you can be here by next Thursday. The real question, though, is what flavor do you like? I'm not too picky with my flavors. I've never been a blue cheese person, okay. so I don't get that. But any place that doesn't have blue cheese as an option, I think that's just really suspect. And I don't tend to go to those places. I mean, blue cheese as a dip or blue cheese as a flavor? Either way, I just don't like the flavor. It's just weird and disgusting. Okay. Well, I generally, these days, I don't do too much of the hot stuff anymore, although I love the taste. Okay, big, long backstory here. My college roommate was from Texas, and apparently Texans like things very, very hot, and they think everybody else likes it the same way. So there was this wing place in town that everybody used to go to because they would deliver to the campus, right? So we'd call and I'd order ones and they'd be fine. And then it was his turn to order and he ordered ones and I thought everything was going to be fine. Well, I took one bite and my mouth was on fire for three hours. He got the (laughs) hottest ones out there. He was just chuckling the whole time. I'm like, gosh, dang it. And he's like, well, I I thought everybody could handle this. And honestly, he did. It was an honest mistake. He wasn't trying to punk me or anything. He honestly thought that's what everybody ate with wings. And he just didn't understand when they didn't taste like that. And I'm like, well, yeah. So if he's listening right now, 
there's two food stories that I have with him. This is one. Maybe I'll talk about the other one one day. And that one was intentional. And mm, I still have to get him back from that. And I did, actually. And that's another story. It's his wedding story. So there's three stories with him. This is number one. We'll have to get to those later. Anyway, for me personally, I like the barbecue or maybe teriyaki or, you know, one of those milder, maybe sweeter sort of flavors. That's generally what I get. So anyway, can you deal with that? Oh, yeah, that's fine. It's been a lot of like the hot honey garlic kind of stuff for me lately. Which, you know, they say hot honey garlic. It's more of to differentiate it from their other honey kind that one of the places by us has. Yeah, the place I usually go to, and we get wings from there, the girls and I get wings from there for the Super Bowl. And it's honey something and teriyaki and barbecue. And then my older daughter, she likes them hot, so I get them hot for her. But we do order all drums. So, again, that would work. For us as you and me anyway are you ready to get on with the rest of the show so that we can end sometime today so we might stand a chance of getting some wings later let's do this because we need wings but we also need to talk about today's topic we do legends of shield is a fan-based podcast on the marvel cinematic and comic book universes if you'd like to talk to us about our marvel related comic book universes you can catch us on our website legendsofshield.com we have a voicemail 844 the bus one or 844-843-2871 we have a facebook page which you can find at legends of shield podcast on our twitter account at legends of shield youtube channel youtube.com slash gonna geek you can listen to our podcast on our amazon device and just tell your amazon device to enable legends of shield skill and you can join our discord server at gonna slash discord which you can talk to both me and chris and lauren and michelle all the time legends of shield is indeed a proud member of the gunnageek.com network and i guess chris this is an excellent time to talk about you because your podcast which you do have one is on the gunnageek.com network yes i do have a podcast it is called play comics and i most of the time i'm looking at video games based on comic properties and how well they represent that source material But sometimes I also decide, you know what? I just want to talk to a creator about their cool stuff. So I have a good number of bonus episodes about that. And we'll talk about one that's very appropriate later on in the show. And with that, are you ready to get on to today's topic? Let's do it. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Today, we're going to be talking about the entire season one, right now in the entire series, of Marvel's MODOK, which premiered on Hulu May 21st, 2021, since it's July 29th. I think that's pretty good for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. getting to a show within two months of its release. And the MODOK showrunner was Jordan Bloom. He has two production credits starting in 2014, including 118 episodes of American Dad, 10 episodes of Marvel's MODOK. And this is where we talk about chris is podcast because jordan bloom doesn't just do tv he also does comics yep jordan and Patton oswald got together and wrote a modoc five issue miniseries and so that's what he came on my show to talk about when he came on the second issue was getting ready to come out so he couldn't quite tell people that spoiler alert if you haven't read number three you had gwenpool coming in And just like the show, you had 
all kinds of special appearances from other Marvel characters, all kinds of hilarity going on, but it's a different kind of humor. So you're not just reading the show in comic book form when you're looking at this miniseries. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about the special appearances and stuff with this TV series a little bit later. But yeah, Jordan Bloom, you had the awesome opportunity to interview him. I need to go and listen to that show. Now, the cast of this, well, I voice acting, really, but the cast of this series includes Patton Oswalt, as you just mentioned, also had Amy Garcia, Ben Schwartz, John Daly, or Daly, Wendy McClendon Covey, she's from the Goldbergs, by the way, John Hamm, Jonathan Kite, Nathan Fillion, Alan Tudyk, Whoopi Goldberg, Chris Parnell, which I know from Archer, and a bunch of others. So, Chris, as you're looking through this casting list, who's your favorite? Who are the voices that you heard were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're on there? Honestly, the first one for me that did that was Ben Schwartz, just because he just always brings a whole lot of energy to his characters and it just seems to fit perfectly. But Melissa Fumero, because when we had been on a Brooklyn Nine-Nine kick, so going from Amy Santiago to Melissa Tartleton is such a jump. And, you know, once we got into the second episode, it just made perfect sense. Do we want to call her Millie or do we want to call her Melissa for the rest of the show? I'm cool either way. Okay. I might reference her as Millie because that's the kind of the pet name that Modoc as dad has for her. By the way, spoiler, this is about Modoc's family in this series. Modoc actually has the family. See, he's the super scientist, super villain. He has his own super villain organization called AIM. But when he goes home at night, he's got to take out the trash and he's got family with two young kids. And it's all about how this family is kind of a modern American family where they're divorcing parents and kids coming of age and having different issues, not normal kids, so to speak, but I think that's normal in these days. Anyway, so Melissa Fumero plays Melissa or Millie Tarlington, who's the last name of Modoc, I guess. And uh, yeah, she was great. I don't know. I'm looking through this list and it really was a well-casted for what they were going for with the voiceovers. I was listening to some of these voices going, I know that. I know that voice. Where Who is that voice? And I was able to go into the IMDb and figure it all out. So it was really fun from that standpoint. Most of these actors are just well-known within the genre of the geek genre, right? And they were able to come through. I was kind of surprised. I didn't get Whoopi Goldberg's voice right off the bat. Did you get Whoopi when you first heard Marion? No, it had been a while since I'd seen her in anything. So that wasn't one that clicked for me. Like I knew it should have, but it didn't. And I had to actually look that one up. And then I felt really dumb. Yeah, right. She's been in a lot of stuff. I mean, geek related genre. I throw in sister act just because of the singing in there. Right. And of course, Star Trek TNG and a bunch of other stuff. I mean, that's not the only things that she's done. Chris Parnell for me, he was great because he was an archer and I could just pick out his voice right away. I'm like, that's Chris Parnell. Really understand a actor's voice and go, hey, that's it. That's that was fun. So a lot of special appearances or guest appearances, basically uh, inside Marvel Comics and with the acting. You touched on it 
a little bit where the 10 episodes were created in their own universe separate from any other Marvel universe. And I think that's, it was important when Kevin Feige allowed Jordan to name his own Marvel universe, because other than the multiverse thing that we're getting within WandaVision and Loki and coming up in Dr. Strange, it separates all of this into its own universe because whatever they decide to do in this earth 1226 universe, which Jordan named 1226 because of his son's birthday, it doesn't affect anything else. And because of that, they were able to bring in all of the Marvel characters. I think there was just three and in my opinion, minor characters that they couldn't touch for rights purposes. But other than that, they could touch everything. So what did we get in here? We got Iron Man. We got Captain America uh, references. We saw leader. We saw some minor villains. It, it was just very uplifting to be able just to pull in whatever they needed in order to make this story. I really enjoyed that part of this versus other Mar Marvel properties. And on top of that, I'm really enjoying the fact that they're open to the idea of having alternate universes like that, because it just means what else do they have coming? I mean, obviously, at this point, we know what they have coming. But when this came out, I'm thinking, what else do they have coming with everything? How many different universes can we have? How many different iterations of things can we have? And if they decide in two years they want to bring Iron Man back and they can't get Robert Downey Jr., it opens up a pathway for them to be able to bring characters back and maybe hand wavy explain, but at least somewhat explain why they have a different actor doing it in the MCU. As far as different universes, I think Marvel has experienced lackluster success with different universes like the Runaways and the Defenders universe over on Netflix and even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the later years. I think you could call that a different universe or uh, a different variant universe, basically. And I don't know what the Nexus event was for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's actually a great discussion to fall into Loki. But I think with a limited series, and this was supposed to be its own kind of Defenders-like universe with the Offenders. And there was going to be three other series that they were going to come in with a combined series called the Offenders. And the other series that were planned were hit monkey which is still in production tigra and dazzler and howard the duck now tigra and dazzler along with howard the duck were all canceled and this kind of stems from marvel studios really taking over the world kevin feige taking over the world in december of 2019 marvel television was officially folded into marvel studios and you saw the end of a lot of different productions. They just ended the runaways. They ended cloak and dagger. They ended agents of shield, which in my opinion was at the end of the run anyway, but they ended all this stuff. And in January of 2020, they came into Hulu and said, okay, so the two series that you have under development, they're gone. Howard, the duck and Tigra and Dazzler and hit monkey still has moved ahead as its own standalone series. I don't know if that's going to be the same sort of stop animation that MODOK was under, but it is not supposed to be connected 
And for his part, Jordan Bloom with Marvel's Modoc said that really the change didn't do anything from their storyline for season one because they kind of were their own thing anyway, and they were going to use the endpoint to funnel in with the offenders. So he didn't have to change too much. At least that's what the news stories that I wrote said. So what do you think about this offenders universe and the collapse of the offenders universe? See, that would have been really fun. Tigra and da- I don't know much about Tigra, but Dazzler is somebody that I think has really adapted to the times well, in no matter what time period she's in. So that could have been a whole lot of fun stuff to have going on in the show. I'd love to see somebody try to do Howard the Duck well. It's been a long time since I've seen the live action movie, probably for a good reason. But everybody having that opinion, you know, that's kind of why I want to see somebody have a chance to do it now. We did it for this show and we had kind of the nostalgia feel going into it. And then we watched it. We're like, oh, no, oh, no, this is just not it doesn't hold up to any sort of standards for movies right now. But it, and it, I guess if you're a super uber fan of Howard the Duck, it's everything that you wanted and it's really neat and everything. But everybody's scratching their heads over why some like Leah Thompson. Why was Leah Thompson attached to them? you know sort of thing this was the howard the duck movie was well underneath her at the time so i guess career move mistake something i don't know i mean maybe it was one of those things where she took a role from the studio in order to get a different role you know i had not considered that i mean she did space camp as well so maybe that was cool so we talked about the animation it was stop motion animation but i Pretty sure it wasn't actual figurines. I think it was computer-generated stop-motion animation. And the animation was done by Stupid Buddy Studios, which was founded by Seth Green, Matthew Senrek, John Hardavteen IV, and Eric Towner, who was also involved in MODOK. The studio also animated series like Robot Chicken, Buddy Thunderstruck, which I haven't seen, 10 other television products, 9 web series, 10 special projects, including Robot Chicken Star Wars, Robot Chicken Star Wars Episode 2 and 3, Robot Chicken DC Comic Specials 2 and 3, and four other special projects, two feature films, and eight other various projects, like commercials and that sort of thing. So Stupid Buddy Studios, and I'm saying like that because it's two O's, in Stupid and Studios, has a lot of experience, and this definitely had that motif to it, the robot chicken feel to it. Although to be honest with you, I think it was more advanced than robot chicken. So I think they've really dialed in what they're trying to do there. Well, I'd hope it's a little more advanced than that. Cause robot chicken was just a few years ago. Don't tell me how time works. I know. <laughs> how did you like this being presented in stop motion animation? I grew up really liking robot chicken and all the insanity they had with that. So knowing that it was the same people pretty much making this, I really enjoyed that. You know, I enjoy all the Wallace and Gromit stuff. I think I enjoy Gumby. That kind of goes in and out. But I enjoy seeing things presented in a new medium. And this isn't something you see all the time. And I know that's because it's a whole ton of work to get done. So when somebody can take the time to put this much love into it, it just really shows me that they care a lot about having the story to tell and the property that they're getting to tell the story of. By the way, all 10 episodes were directed by Alex Kamer and Eric Towner. 
And there was various different writers, including Jordan Bloom and Patton Oswald. But the two that were holding the entirety together were Alex Kamer and Eric Towner. And from that aspect, I want to ask you a question. I mean, I have my opinion as well. There was 10 episodes in this series. There was an overall theme, but it did seem, at least from the writing standpoint, that there was a break between episodes. Each episode didn't flow all the way through. It wasn't like you were watching one continuous movie for 10 episodes. It was definitely an episode by episode feel. Yeah. And I caught that. That's not something I really mind one way or the other. Growing up for me was watching cartoons where you would introduce a new character and then they'd find a reason to write them out at the end of the episode. So having things that you can watch in any kind of order really just makes sense in my brain. I mean, granted with this, you definitely want to watch them in the order that they're in, but it's not going to really hurt you if you mix some things up in the middle. As a matter of fact, I did the first time through and I went back and I'm like, okay, well, it makes a little bit sense now, but it really, you're not watching it for the deep intellectual plot line. You're just being entertained by the situations that are being presented in front of you in a series order of what turns out to be a story, but it's not for sure you need to watch this one episode first before you watch. It's not like you need to watch episode two before seven. Yes, it'll make more sense, but you could watch them individually. There is a broader story, which really, to me, includes heart. So when you're talking about a satirical animation humor sort of sitcom, for the lack of a better term, like Marvel's MODOK, it really shines when it has a lot of heart. And what do I mean by that? If you're talking like Venture Brothers, Archer, Futurama, Lower Decks on Star Trek now on whatever they're calling. I was going to say CBS All Access, but now it's Paramount Plus. The series has to have heart in it in order to pull off. And I think this does, the Marvel's MODOK has heart in it, which makes it watchable. It makes it relatable. It makes you want to watch it, I think. And I like series with heart. And I think this had it. Did it have the most heart ever? No, because Patton Oswald, I mean, he has a lot of heart, but it, I don't think it goes all the way to the right. But it was enough to get the job done. What do you think about that series with heart and Modox with heart? I really liked how they were able to mix in how much Modoc loves his family with how much Modoc loves the idea of being able to take over the world. I mean, really, that's the main thing for me is you can tell what Modoc is loving in that moment. That's the crux of the whole thing. And it comes to a head in the last couple of episodes and it starts out and you don't know that this is going to be the overall theme for the entire season, but it starts out with Modoc's mother telling him one day that big, beautiful, womb-wrecking head of yours is going to dream up fantastic things, and you're going to change the world. And he takes that to mean he's going to create the world in his image, he's going to take it over, he's going to be the world conqueror, and everybody's going to report to Emperor Modoc. basically. That's what his whole thrust is. But then he gets this family along the way, and through time travel... You're able to go back and you're able to see the relationship, not start necessarily, but at least what they were when they were younger, Modoc and his wife, Jody. 
And then you're, you see where he is in the future. Like, does he really want them as part of his life or does he think that they ruined his life? And the real kicker is younger Modoc time travels through a mistake to kind of teach him this lesson. So I think it was well done. It was done. I mean, I know we just said it wasn't episode by episode, but was done over the course of 10 episodes. You see the story progress to the point where the decision that he has to make at the end is more impactful. Oh, definitely. I don't know. How much do you want to jump into individual episodes right now? If you want to take it episode by episode, that's fine, but uh, we're just trying to take the whole series and its conglomerate. So if you have specific examples for episodes, go ahead. All right. Well, toward the end of the series, you have Modoc with his family getting kidnapped and fake robot Modoc family members are put in there. And so I'm seeing this and, oh no, Modoc is falling for the robots. He doesn't actually love his family. He just loves that they're there and loves being able to use them for whatever he needs at the moment. And I'm going through that whole episode like, oh, did he just waste his entire character development arc? And then you realize that he was tricking everybody the whole time. And he really does love his family. He does that a couple of times where he comes out ahead in the end saying, oh, this was my plan all along. I mean, some of his planning is superficial throughout the time, like when he was this good employee with the mailman, right? You knew he was up to something right there when he was playing the perfect employee. But that particular episode, you thought he was being duped and you thought he was in his own head fantasy there, but he figured it out and created And it was great because he created his own robot of himself, which then exploded and was able to uh, take over, you know, take the advantage and he's able to rescue his family, which is great. So we haven't really talked about Lou. We talked a little bit about Millie, but we haven't talked about Lou. Lou is another theme that goes throughout this entire series where he's becoming a man because he's having his bar mitzvah. So it's all about the bar mitzvah planning and about how Lou is really being affected by the divorce. And then, and then they go to Asgard and they have this really battle war or whatever. And Modoc bonds with his son there, basically, in, in the whole magic thing. But he learns that Lou is in trouble and he needs to attend to his needs, which he promptly forgets because he's back to taking over the world. But then he comes back to it near the end. And also with that episode that you were talking about where Modoc is with his robot family, they have this villain come in that creates robot duplicates of everybody and one of the robot duplicates is left and that's a Lou and then they call the two Lou's the real Lou and the robot Lou the Lou's and you have these two Lou's then and you don't know which one is the robot and which one is the real Lou I think that is really cool development of the character and uniqueness of the character it gives the character some kind of superpower basically and at the end you really feel like you've taken the journey with lou as you do with the whole family but you have taken this journey with lou what do you think about lou's journey and the whole bar mitzvah thing lou's a character i loved anyway i really liked seeing he knew what he wanted for his bar mitzvah and he kept trying to get it but he also really wanted the approval of everybody and 
I think it just really showed them writing well for a character that's supposed to be a kid who's trying to grow up, who is still trying to get the approval of everybody. I mean, he was sitting there in the chair tied up apologizing for bothering people and stuff. So, you know, he's still trying to figure out who he is. He's still trying to be assertive, but he also wants what he has. And you can tell he's just so sad when everybody says he can't have magic at his bar mitzvah. I mean, it's his bar mitzvah. Why can't you have magic? I've never been to one, so I don't know. Because tricks are for kids. I'm sorry. That also busted us all laughing when that she said that. <laughs> yeah, definitely a, a certain writing style with everything. If you had a favorite character, who would it be? So outside of Modok, because I just, I love how he flips back and forth between being the smartest person around and just being a complete idiot. Honestly, I think it would have to be Gary because Gary just very unconditionally loves Modok and wants Modok to be well taken care of, which is really weird because Gary also has his husband to worry about. And you see Gary's husband come in. It's like, yes, I love you, Big Mike, but I also love Modok. And I know it's a completely different way, but it is still ruining our relationship. But then they find a way to keep making it work. And I just think, you know, Gary, he's hilarious in trying to prove that he's good enough, go around the job with one arm, coming up with some great lines when nobody else can hear them, that kind of thing. I would love to have him working in my organization. Yeah, I don't know. I can't really put a pin on a specific character. I love Gary, by the way. Gary was great, especially with the lack of the arm and then he bites off his other hand, which we know. Yes, we do see Gary after he bites off his own hand. And did they just retcon that out? Because I think he had his hand in the end when he was driving the truck when he killed. Uh, he did. Austin. He did. So I think they just retcon that. I don't know. It's an alternate universe. Maybe it grew back. We don't know. Yeah. yeah never. I mean, he's been exposed to enough radiation. I liked super adaptive. I think Monica, though, if I had to go with somebody, Monica was pretty cool because she's just doing science for science sake and she makes these just outlandish things what she's interested in has no bearing whatsoever on like helping humanity or whatever and she just makes this cool stuff like this black hole gun which modok wants to use to kill iron man he wants to throw iron man into this black hole gun and he just doesn't do it but modok has his own inventions as well like the um what did they call it? The silly gun or whatever, which the kids were shooting each other and they were acting like they were drunk after they got shot and they made the squirrel uh, drunk. Pretty sure that was the name, but I love the gun. The silly gun. Yeah, it was great. That was a Modoc convention, but Monica had her own inventions as well. And she was just ruthless and trying to undercut every time she could Modoc, And they gave the backstory to why. This is the very first day she's working at AIM, which by the way, is the organization which MODOK runs, Advanced Idea Mechanics. In this universe, MODOK runs it. The very first day, he takes credit for her Avenger kill. And so she never really forgets that. She's always trying to undercut him because she's a good scientist in her own right. So I, I don't know. I think Monica's there. By the way, which Avenger did she kill? Did you understand which Avenger that was supposed to be? 
I was thinking Hawkeye just because of the purple. Wasn't it red? It might have been weird tinting on my TV then. I mean, if it was red, I have no idea. I didn't know. I couldn't tell if it was the Red Witch, Wanda, or if it was Hawkeye, or if it was maybe Deadpool. I didn't know who it was supposed to be. And Deadpool, even if it was Deadpool, you can't kill Deadpool. So, I don't know. But Monica killed an Avenger. And they never named the Avengers. So I don't know. I, I'll go with Monica, but there are other great characters as well. I mean, even Wonder Man. Wonder Man by Nathan Fillion. I mean, that was perfect casting. I really loved you. I had real feelings for you, Jody. Were you just using me for publicity? And don't forget the sex. <laughs> some moments I love Jody, and some of them I wanted to reach through the TV and pour water on her because this is not a very violent show that we are on right now. <laughs> yeah. She married Modoc. I mean, she's got some of that thought pattern in her. I think wonder man called her out on it. Like, Oh, you're more like Modoc than you think. I forget the exact wording, but wonder man calls her out on what she really is. And I think because of that, she's perfectly Paired with Modoc, which when we get to the time travel episode and they go back to the Third Eye Blind concert, I still have the Third Eye Blind songs in my mind, by the way. They just haven't left. But they go back to this concert and she comes, well, they get stuck in the past. And then the reason they get out of this time loop is the this couple that has been together for so many years, they're trying to tell the real time couple that they're meant to be together and they just can't get it out before they disappear. So I just thought that had a lot of heart to it as well. If you had to point out a favorite episode, is it the one with the robots? Is that your favorite episode? It is probably the one with the robots. It's one that stuck with me. It is a little bit of recency bias in there. Can't ignore that, but I just really love the robots and I also love Arcade and all the insanity that he always has. I think the one thing that I kind of wish they had done with his character more was when Arcade in the comics makes all of his crazy traps and everything, it is always possible to get out and win. And I don't think that that is something that they really put enough emphasis on here. But it's also like two or three episodes in a miniseries like this, so you can't spend too much time explaining everything. Right. Out of the all the episodes I like, I think it's Beware What From Portal Comes, which is the weekend that the kids went to the retreat, the Grumble retreat, and Modoc ends up both causing the issue and then solving the issue with the partying aliens. And then the other one that I think competes with it as well they're like one and one. I like the robot one. That's like number two to me. But the other number one was the penultimate episode. What menace does the mailman deliver? And I think both episodes really shine on Modoc's capabilities, the humor of the series and the heart of the series. And I just really enjoy basically Modoc winning at the end of those two episodes. I, I, I like a happy ending, so to speak. Is it truly a happy ending? 
not really, but it's as happy ending as you can get in the contents of the series. So that's kind of my favorite episode. I cheated. I have two. Apparently there is a season two under development. I haven't been able to uncover too much about it. I don't know when it's planned for how many episodes or whatever, but I will be watching season two, which I didn't think I was going to say when I started watching episode one. Are you going to watch season two when it comes out? Oh, definitely. I'll go and watch episode one again right beforehand, even though I know they'll have a nice recap, just because this was a really fun show. The violence level is there, so my wife might have to kind of pay attention to what she's making for dinner. But other than that, it's not too over the top like the boys or anything, so it's definitely something she can handle. And it's something that she really enjoyed with me. Like, oh, the puns. I loved the puns in this show. What was your favorite pun? I don't know. I, you know, I was rewatching the whole series and it was just one after another after another. If I started writing them down, I was, the whole episode is going to be me saying puns the entire time. They're just amazing. The writing, and, and it's almost like it's straight out of Patton's his performance. I wonder how much was scripted and how much was him ad lipping behind the microphone right when he was doing the voiceover because it's like straight out of his thought process this is the guy who went on the what the hour-long diatribe about star wars when he was doing that special scene in parks and recreation so you know a lot of it was him ad-libbing but i just loved all of the the funny things like melissa says she comes up with a name for her right and he says, no, I just named you for Melissa Etheridge. I mean, it was just stuff like that over and over and over. And I just liked every, it was almost every single line in a conversation went back to that. We went back to like a humorous line. I don't know if I can pick just one. What was your favorite one? There were a ton of options, but my absolute favorites was when Modoc was making his pitch to be able to go get that black hole gun and he just busts out black hole gun won't you come won't you come and then later like he's like skipping sipping whiskey or scotch or whatever and he's like no oh, i don't like this i just want lemonade i thought this was lemonade i mean that's what this whole series is but yeah the once you come once you come that was that was a very deep moment Oh, another deep, you know, in the war, the one in Asgard where they did the the letters, the style of like the Civil War letters and oh, yeah. NPR stuff that I was listening to that going, oh, this is great. And they did it in Patton Oswald read some, I forget who else read the other part, but it's just awesome. These, these little bits throughout the entire thing. Uh, so the main villain in all this is Hexus, which I don't have any background of hexus in the comics do you know hexus at all or do they make it up for this series that is not somebody that i have any experience with either yeah. i actually didn't i was gonna look it up and then cat issues so i didn't have time before we came on today so the, hexus is this main villain and they're trying to take over the world and it, basically an alien and they, it, whatever you want to call it. It's like three heads during the entire thing, but they're obviously alien. They were never totally defeated. And in fact, at the end, they were genning up 
for another world takeover, which I don't think was ever solved. So I think Hexus will be back for season two. Well, I just checked real quick, and Hexus is a thing. They first showed up in Marvel Boy Volume 2, Number 3, which was October of 2000, which, again, was just a few years ago through the powers of time travel. Hexus, the living corporation, is the, what they went by here. So we'll get more into Hexus. All right. Do you have any final thoughts about Marvel's MODOK Season 1? No, I think we pretty much covered it really well. This is a really fun show. You don't have to know much about characters in the Marvel Universe to be able to enjoy it because it's showing you so many little side characters that haven't shown up in the MCU that you can just look at them. And if you don't know who they are, oh, cool, here's a really fun character. And if you do know who they are, you like you see their shadow coming up and, oh, they're showing Arcade. Yeah, it was really fun uh, to see. I think that was really solidified this as a Marvel series was just the liberal use of characters all over the board. I mean, they had to get voice actors for the most important ones, but just some cases you just saw them like at the club at the evil villains club. I forget what that was called, where he never went back to. And there was a lot of back and forth with Iron Man, which I think is appropriate because Iron Man is basically the head of the Avengers. I mean, we can get into the MCU storyline there later time. I mean, we've been talking about it for 23 movies, but you know, Iron Man it was really the heart of everything. So it, there was, did you catch this? There was Stark Tower and Avengers Tower that were both referenced in this series. Did you catch that? How did I miss that? Yeah, there was one reference to what? Stark Tower, like Tony Stark's at Stark Tower, but yet he was at Avengers Tower too. So I don't know if that was a slip of a writer or if they were really mentioning two different things or whatever. So yeah, I wouldn't have this as a default for my MCU canon because it's not. But it's just a fun thing that's outside the bounds. Like we thought what if was going to be, but because of where Loki ended, what if is now canon, considered canon. So I don't know, maybe this universe 1226 will be considered canon at some time too. I enjoyed it unexpectedly. I was very entertained. You have to laugh at every episode. It does take a certain mindset to go into this because it is not your normal Marvel series. It's not the Runaways. It's not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not any of the Defenders. It's not, I wouldn't even think it was WandaVision because even WandaVision, even though it was sitcom based, was still more, I guess, serious than this, which was more sarcastic. So it's its own thing. You're never going to see anything like it. Maybe Hit Monkey, I guess, but you're never going to see anything else like it in the Marvel Universe because I just, I think Kevin Feige just gave this to Patton as, hey, you know, I know you've been part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you're a really nice guy and I want to help you out. So here you go. Maybe. Because I don't think Marvel gets anything out of this. But I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, thanks for joining me on this discussion of Marvel's MODOK. Always a pleasure to come by and talk about Marvel craziness. Which next time we might go ahead and talk about a specific episode if we can get it recorded in time. But the next series that we're going to discuss will be What If. And Chris, will you join me for the What If discussion? 
what if I say yes? Oh, that would be awesome. I'm all Let's for do that. It. Let's do it. So the next series we cover in a couple of weeks will be what if. In the meantime, we've got a couple of news stories to talk about, and then we'll get on out of here. Breaking the airwaves this afternoon was a new story about Scarlett Johansson suing Disney over Black Widow contract breach. Now, this stems from the fact that Black Widow was simultaneously released on premium video on demand and Scarlett Johansson's contract was based on box office performance. So, I'm not surprised, by the way, that the lead of a Marvel Studios movie was basing their contract on box office performance because Robert Downey Jr. has made literally tens of millions, probably hundreds of millions of dollars based on that model. So, I'm not surprised she did that. Allegedly, according to the IGN.com article that I read on this, her agents tried to reach out prior to release to renegotiate her contract because of the whole COVID thing and the fact that they were releasing it premium video on demand and stuff like that in order to change the conditions of her contract. Now, I don't know the specifics of her contract, but apparently, according to the article, she's suing for $50 million. So allegedly, she was assuming that she was going to earn $50 million based on the box office performance of Black Widow. Now that premium video on demand is part of that, and because of the second week tanking 67% in the box office. She feels like she's been slighted, I guess, and is suing for this. Now, you might think this is a bunch of lawyers getting together and saying, we need our money for Scarlett Johansson, but I think this goes beyond just Scarlett Johansson. I think this is an industry statement of people saying, if you're going to do this, we need to have the appropriate compensation for the leads of the movies. And this is the consideration that I've been saying all along. These movies have to make money. And I don't necessarily think that the way that they did Black Widow made them the box office that they needed to make another movie like Black Widow. So what are your thoughts on this, Chris? That was definitely my thinking on it. Yeah, I mean, like when music started having all the streaming stuff, you people had to go back and renegotiate rights. Just like, you know, you can find episodes of WKRP in Cincinnati and they don't have the original music in there because nobody thought about the music rights for things back then because they just didn't do reruns of shows. Now you have a bunch of studios and with actors under contracts who never had the slightest thought of this thing is going to be released streaming at the same time as it's being in a regular theater. So you can't work with contract ideas from 10, 15 years ago and make it work in today's world because that's just so different. And maybe $50 million is too much. I don't know because like you, I don't know about the numbers. I don't know if she's saying $50 million overall to get there. But I also know that a lot of times you'll have people in here going for this kind of lawsuit and they're overshooting knowing that it's going to be coming down. Right. Also, I think the reason why this is being used as a initial volley is most of the other movies that were released streaming are also tied to subscription. We talk about that as well, like the HBO Max stuff. 
they're releasing one movie from Warner Brothers a month, but it's tied to subscription. It's not tied to its own premium video on demand. Yes, there has been other movies that have been released via premium video on demand, but not opening weekend and not included in the box office number by the studio. So because Disney Plus took that extra step and included that $60 million of premium video on demand into the opening weekend box office, in my opinion, that then gave the legalese, the lawyers, enough ammunition to then go after a studio. And I don't think this is just Scarlett Johansson. I think like theaters are feeling slighted and they want to sue based off of rights and stuff like that. And honestly, I don't know if the business model is going to enable theaters to exist like they were pre-pandemic or not. I honestly, I don't know. A lot of people say, yes, of course it's going to come back to where it was. I'm like, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know if they're able to pay their taxes and keep the doors open. I don't know if the individual theaters will be bankrupt by the time that things get back to normal. If things ever get back to normal, I hope they do, but who knows, right? So yeah, this is an interesting development. This is the first, definitely first with Marvel, but this is the first instance that I have seen on a massive scale of, and by massive, I mean $50 million. That's massive to me of a legal challenge to the decisions that these studios are being made. I think the student the actual theaters went after studios for breach of contract, but I don't know if that went anywhere last year, especially since it was still shut down. So, okay, we'll see what happens. Any last thoughts on this? I mean, I can't think of anything else industry-wide either that does it. The closest thing I could think of is when Major League Baseball last season was trying to figure out how many games they were going to play and how much they were going to pay the players. Right. Okay, moving on to the second story, which was a TVLine.com article that was posted in our Discord by Michelle shortly before we recorded this episode. Hawkeye has now a premiere date on Disney Plus, Wednesday, November 24th. So the next one is What If? It's going to be premiering in August, I want to say 11th, and that will have a few weeks. But the next premiere date is Hawkeye, Wednesday, November 24th. I don't know of anything in between there. So there is a possibility of like almost three months without a new Marvel content on Disney+. Plus. Uh, first of all, what do you think about this premiere date? And second of all, what do you think about the lack of content for a few months? Well, the lack of content, first, I think that'll be perfectly fine. You know, you don't have to constantly have something on because DuckTales exists and you can go back and watch that on Disney Plus and you sh- everybody should. Okay. But, I mean, the, the premiere date, you know, it, it's fine. You know, and Hawkeye isn't a show that I'm super excited about, but that's only because it's something that outside of the MCU, I don't really know much about Hawkeye. I know that people love Kate Bishop, but I don't really know why. Which isn't saying that I don't understand why they like her. I just don't know the facts of why they like her. So maybe this is going to be a show where I can figure that out. It's definitely something I'm going to watch, but you know, I'm not sitting there chomping at the bit like I am with What If. Apparently, from what I've been able to gather from everybody, Kate Bishop has got her head on her shoulders a little bit better than a lot of the other superheroes that we've been talking about. So a lot of people like her from that perspective. 
And let's not forget that Marvel has every indication that they're building up to a Young Avengers team-up series, something like that, in the future. And Kate Bishop will definitely be a part of that, as well as Eli from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Ms. Marvel. So that there is a bunch of movement in that direction, and you can't have the Young Avengers, apparently, without Kate Bishop. So let's get Kate Bishop into it. So we'll see what happens. I am interested to see what they do with Jeremy Renner. We talked about it in the last show about what Marvel's slash Disney's plan is for Jeremy Renner, especially with his domestic violence accusations that occurred a couple of years ago and them Disney wanting to distance themselves from that, I guess. But you've got the actor that's been there for so many years, ever since the Avenger, actually ever since Thor. I believe it was when Hawkeye showed up, Jeremy Renner showed up in Thor, the first Thor movie. So it's kind of hard to recast at this point. Not impossible, kind of hard to recast. So I think we might be coming to the end of the road for Jeremy Renner within the MCU. Okay, that is the news for this week. And as we often do on the show, we find a creative way to get on out of here. And because we're talking Modoc. Why don't we get into our elegantly and customized crafted hover chairs and float on out of Vroom vroom. Chris, thank you very much for coming on here and, and going through all the hassle and the pain of, of watching marvel's modok a second time and and sharing your exploits with everybody here on the show oh no i had to watch a marvel show it was the worst thing ever honestly i mean anytime you can watch something marvel marvel knows what they're doing dc knows what they're doing with their tv shows really mostly okay really? dc knows what they're doing with their animation oh uh, animation shows okay i'll um, i'll give you i'll grant you that i haven't delved too much into it but I mean, if we're talking about CW verse or Arrowverse or the DCEU, I got a lot of quabbles there. But if you're talking the animation universe, okay, that's good. You know, anytime I can watch any of that stuff, it's going to be a good time. Okay. If anybody wants to listen to you on your show, play comics, or perhaps find the specific episode that Jordan Bloom was on, where would they go to find that? The easiest thing is to head over to playcomics.com. I don't know if I have publicly said this on an episode. I'm pretty sure I have, but I haven't said it as a guest on anyone else's. The reason why I have all of my guests tagged in the episodes is so that I, as I am making show notes, can really easily look through the list of tags in the sidebar and find the guest and find that exact episode. But I'm sure SP will also enable your laziness and have a link to the Jordan Bloom episode down in the show notes here. I definitely will have a link to it in the show notes. So check that out if you want to hear from Jordan Bloom himself. Well, until next time, I'm producer of the show, director SP. And I'm consultant Chris. See everybody next time. Maybe we'll talk a special topic. Maybe it'll be for what if. We'll see. Catch you later. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information in other shows.
You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Howdy, Chris. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Uh, well, a lot better now that cats aren't trying to eat throw up. Yeah. Don't know what it was tonight. Something about Thursdays. It's Friday Eve. Get it right, man. Although I suppose technically since this is a Marvel podcast, it'd have to be Thursday. So at work we like to refer to it as Friday Junior. Friday Junior. Might start using that. Howdy, Chris. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, well, a lot better now that cats aren't trying to eat throw up. Yeah. Don't know what it was tonight. Something about Thursdays. It's Friday Eve. Get it right, man. Although I suppose technically since this is a Marvel podcast, it'd have to be Thursday. So. At work, we like to refer to it as Friday Junior. Friday Junior. Might start using that. See if I can use the Steven and SP fancy light do anything different mm, yeah that was worth it full screen notepad oh the the light from the monitor yeah hey sometimes it works steven actually got a big sheet of i don't know foam board or something to reflect light off of i don't know if he still uses it or not see if i can use the steven and sp fancy light different mm, yeah that was worth it full screen notepad oh the the light from the monitor yeah hey sometimes it works steven actually got a big sheet of i don't know foam board or something to reflect light off of i don't know if he still uses it or not yeah i figured um see if there's any actual what if issues uh, but definitely go back and look at some of the character highlights in the comics if it's not somebody i know a ton about already anyway yeah and like i know the first one is peggy carter somehow so you know there's oh. plenty of stuff there and then what i'm assuming is t'challa being star lord but that's kind of me pulling the theory out of my butt well i mean that's what it's looking like right because he's with the reavers and stuff so yeah yeah it'll be fun my heart goes out to anybody that's a chichala fan for what has happened and mm-hmm. i think i think it's just make the character even more impactful yeah we'll talk about that. legends of shield is copyright 2013 through 2021